Good morning, everyone. So good to be here to celebrate what God is doing in your hearts in this beautiful atmosphere where God is growing a healthy soul inside of you. How many of you know your soul is the most important part of your life? It's not your car. It's not your house. It's not your puppy dog. It's your soul. God has designed for you to have a healthy soul. I'm really looking forward to prayer. Learning to pray for Moses, Lord willing, tonight we'll be looking at this, and I want to put four tools in your hands in your hands in the next four, four nights. Tonight, learning to pray for Moses, the prayer of dependence, and we're going to be looking at prayer targets tonight. Some of you may find it difficult when you get down to pray, and you're going to pray for a while, and you forget, and, and, and like you run out of things to pray for in two minutes. There's a way to overcome that. And some thoughts and helps for you tonight. Lord, help me to humble myself daily under your mighty hand. Everyone that's here tonight is going to receive this. Lord, help me to consistently feed upon your word. Let it be light and a guide in my journey. Lord, help me to guard my heart at all times. Lord, help me to turn from every sin that grieves your presence in my heart. Lord, help me live with a grateful spirit in every season of life. Lord, help me to never speak a word to draw attention to myself. Lord, help me to live with uh, content with, and not envy or compare or judge. Lord, help me not to look for significance in social media today. Ouch. Tonight, then tomorrow night, learning to pray from Samuel, the prayer of humility. Then Tuesday night, learning to pray from Hezekiah, the prayer of repentance. And then Wednesday night, learning to pray from Daniel, the prayer of alignment and how to stand in the gap and pray for your family members who do not yet know the Lord. Somewhere in one of these exits, there's uh, about 40 or 50 copies of this. I'm not a salesman. I do not promote this. I simply say this. It's here. It took 44 years to prepare. Just finished this year. It's a one-year devotional. There's one page for every day of the year, including February 29th, in case you're OCD and every four years on leap year. It will upset you if you don't have Pastor Pat's devotional for that day. I don't make light of that. I'm just saying it's, it's, uh, it's strictly from the scripture. It's, uh, I took my 400 most important messages to my life for a healthy soul, put them on my desk six, six weeks after Laura died, and on November 1st, six weeks after her passing, I, um, I felt the Holy Spirit when I woke up. The Holy Spirit said, now's the time. You're going to be alone for the next year. And, I, and the Lord just put it in my heart to take two hours every morning and write one devotional, put it here. It's uh, somewhere in this, at a table somewhere, and I'm not sure where, but they're here. They can be a blessing. I keep no proceeds, make no money from it. I promised God 44 years ago while sitting as a freshman in Bible college, Lord, if you ever help me and allow me to put anything in writing to help other people have a healthy soul, I will never profit from it. So I'm not saying it's wrong to sell books because I buy books. But I'm just saying, um, I did this uh, because my burden, and, and uh, I want to stay out of the business and not be distracted. So it's every penny goes to missions. So that being said, how many of you have your Bible today or your cell phone? If not, you can <laughs> reach over and look at your neighbor. In Mark chapter 6, there's a great text. And again, before we open the book of God, Pastor, thank you. Thank you for your trust to stand behind this desk. I love your pastor and your pastoral team. 
How many of you thank God for a healthy pastor with a healthy team and a healthy church? And it's good to know that you can be spirit-filled and not be weird, spacey, crazy, and foolish and bring glory to God in a healthy environment. And that's what, is, that's what I sense every time I come here. And boy, do I thank God for Greece Assembly of God. It's extremely grateful. In Mark 6, 7, not long ago, I was reading in my, in my Bible, and I came across a little line that arrested my attention. I had never arrested my attention before reading through the scriptures for 40, 44 years. And I came across this little phrase in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, which says, Calling the twelve to him, Jesus began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. And then there's like a colon. And then I noticed these four words in the version that I was reading. These were his instructions. So here's the context. Because everybody knows there's a difference between exegesis Isagesis, Narsagesis, and where is Jesus? How many of you know there's a difference between expository and suppository preaching? <laughs> so here's the context. Here's the context. Jesus is about to send you out all around Greece, New York, as his disciples. He's going to leave in a short while and he wants to give instructions. And between Mark 6, 7, and the end of Mark 8, Jesus gathers his disciples to him, and he teaches them 14 different things. Don't be nervous. We'll be out of here by 3 (laughs) o'clock. Only kidding. And as I was reading his instructions, I came across four two-word statements that leaped off the pages into my heart. So I just want to look at these four two-word statements What did Jesus mean? Why did he say it then? What does it mean to you today? And how does it help us to have a healthy soul as we walk on on planet Earth? uh, Heaven will take care of itself, but how many of you know God wants you to enjoy the journey while you're here? That was pretty weak. (laughs) And in the midst of the training, I see four two-word statements. I'll just lay it out. And trust the Holy Spirit will take his word. I often pray this every time before I stand up. Lord, stand in my body, think with my mind, and speak with my lips. And the living God is speaking to all of us through his living word today. God will speak to us in our hearts in this great, in this great, great setting on this first Sunday of 2000. Don't you talk about 2020. Lord, have mercy. I'm getting older already quick enough. And then you're already talking about 2020. That's a television show. It's 2019. It's going to camp right here for another 300 days plus 60. The first thing out of these uh, instructions that Jesus gives, the first two words he uses are these, take nothing in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Take nothing for your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. The first thing out of 14 things that Jesus teaches is this, take nothing. Can you say those two words with me? Take nothing. Take nothing. Now, why did Jesus say that? 
Because Jesus knew then and Jesus knows us today in our hearts, our defaulted hearts because of the stain of sin. Jesus knows everybody here is prone to worry about things and people outside of our control. What we will need, where we're going, what the future holds, where will I be in one, three, five years? Where will I live? Who will I marry? Where will I work? How will I serve God? So why did Jesus say take nothing? Well, it's, a, it's a, a couple reasons. One, he's warning us about the danger of materialism, extravagance, self-display, and fleshly indulgence. And Jesus wants to protect us from setting our affection on lesser gods or idols that will crowd our heart. He wants to help us not to grieve the Holy Spirit and push him out of our heart by so much stuff that we accumulate and whatever we chase after will, all, will, all, will ultimately become a God to us. Everybody worships. The Bible teaches God made us to worship. Everybody here worships something. The only choice you and I have is what we worship. But everybody worships. Jesus knows that. Take nothing will let unbelievers know that we actually care more about other people than we do our own interests. And isn't that the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And living a spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit, is not to help us feel good. The Holy Spirit has been given for us to help somebody. The anointing is to help somebody. Take nothing was to remind us of this one thing. What is it? You can trust the Lord with things and people outside of your control. You can depend upon God to provide what's needed as you follow him. Take nothing means you can chill. You can rest well. You can relinquish control over to God. In other words, you can worry. You can fret. You can stew in your own juice. Or this service, point number one, you can let Jesus give you a spirit of faith. Today in this place, God wants to impart to you a spirit of faith for your tomorrows. Write this down under number one if you have your bulletin. I am responsible to follow the Lord. He's responsible to provide for my future. I am responsible to follow the Lord. He is responsible to provide for my future. It doesn't mean we don't work. We don't save. We don't prepare for the future. It just means you can trust God with, with what's outside of your control, and God wants to give you a spirit of faith. Now, when I was in Bible college, we had some weird Bible school students. I remember I had a cold once, and one of my dorm mates came over to me, and he began to cast the devil out of me. I said, all due respect, his name was Mike. Mike, I don't have a demon. He was casting demons out of me. I don't have a demon. I, I'm a Christian. He said, no, you have a cold. It's a cold demon. Now, we have weird people like that around in charismatic. I understand that. I had another Bible school student. I had a Volkswagen, a Herbie the Love Bug Super Beetle when I went to Bible school. And he said to me one day, he said, do you have a flat, do you have a spare tire in your car? I said, yes, I do. He said, if you had faith. You would trust God with that and get rid of that spare tire. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, that's weird. That's weird. That's weird. I've had three flat tires that I know of, maybe four. 
Three, I've had three flat tires. Yeah, I'm th- I thank God that I had enough faith to put a spare tire in the trunk of my car. Yeah, it was getting dark. It was in the Poconos. I left New York City. I'm driving way home. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and I wanted to see the Patriots lose. And, um, and so I was in a hurry to get home, and I, and I said, my, my wife said, aren't you going to call Triple I said, I'm in the middle of nowhere. By the time I get home, Tom Brady's going to, oh, never mind. And I said, I got to get this baby. And I jumped out of the car, ripped my suit off like Superman, and I changed that baby in 14 minutes, jumped back in the car, and I was home before supper you know why faith C.S. Lewis said worry is not believing that God will get it right he also said worry is praying to yourself I define worry in, in the book this way worry is accepting responsibility God never intended for you to carry Take nothing means we have to let go of some things. A bread, a bag, some clothes, more cash were things that disciples would hold on to or depend upon or trust in instead of Jesus. Jesus is teaching them and us to pack light. To let go of anything that slows us down in the race. It's not about the money. It has nothing to do with how much you have. God's not against that. Jesus is after their heart. He's after our heart. What are you trusting in to enjoy the journey? We can depend and trust in ourselves or we can depend and trust in the Lord. It seems so juvenile and yet you can tell by what people chase and what's important in their life, what they're really trusting in to bring joy to their hearts. And Jesus wants to wean our trust and have us put our trust in him. The second thing Jesus said was stay there. Would you say those two words, stay there? Stay there. Now, why did Jesus say stay there? Because the disciples would be tempted. Jesus said, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. Why did Jesus say that? Because the disciples would be tempted to move in with the host and then move out to seek more luxury, better housing, easier company, and get away from the things or people that inconvenience them. Have you ever gone to some place and you knew you weren't there very long and you knew you didn't want to stay there? Have you ever got an invitation in the mail and said to your spouse, honey, do we really have to go? I was preaching one time in Cooperstown, New York, and a guy was sitting in the back, and he took his watch off during service, and he held it up so I could see it, and was going like this. <laughs> now, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. I, I, did, I got the feeling he just didn't want to stay there any longer and wanted me to shut up. Stay there. Why did Jesus say stay there? Because the disciples would be quick to offend their host by moving too quickly from place to place to place to place. And people would then question their authenticity and their commitment, and the disciples would reveal their pride and discontentment and would abort what God wanted to do in their hearts. They would forfeit their potential that God had planned for them. They would feed their envy and nullify the godliness and contentment that God was after. Excuse me. Stay there simply means this. Happiness is not a place. It's a state of mind. 
Stay there means running from your problems doesn't solve your problems. Stay there means if I'm not content with what I have, I won't be content with what I want. And envy is the pain I feel when someone else has something that I want. Call them lesser gods. Call them idols. Take nothing is to grow our faith. But stay there is to grow our humility so that you and I can live content in a journey where happiness for most Americans is a little more stuff with somebody else in some other place. It's the world of if only. Why is stay there so important for you and I today? Here's why. Because stay there will grow our humility so that you can be content in every season of your life. And some of you here today are going through a difficult season, a painful season, a grieving season. Here's a great prayer for today. Lord, help me to be content and find my joy in you, even in this season of my life. John Calvin said, the human heart is a factory of idols. And stay there protects our heart from idols and lesser gods. Because whatever we treasure or trust in more than Jesus is a God to us. And every idol says, you will die trying to have me. I remember when I had to have Cal Ripken rookie card. I remember when I had to how I would drive 50 miles to find. I would go to card shops and, and, and every idol will say, you will die trying to have me. But Jesus is the one master that says, I will die to have you. Take nothing means you can trust Jesus. But to stay there means Jesus wants to be the center of your heart so you will be content. Paul said the gospel, say this, say, listen to it. Paul said the gospel actually frees our heart from lesser gods. And stay there protects our heart from idols and these lesser gods. Paul said in Romans 1.25, the people traded the truth of God for a lie and worshiped created things instead of the creator himself. Martin Luther said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in is really your God. Why is it so important? Because only Jesus and only the gospel can satisfy our hearts. Well, how does this translate into daily living in your life here at Long Pond Road in Greece, Greece New York? Here, here, let me spell it out to you. If comfort is your God, you will complain yourself to death. If appearance is your God, you will starve yourself to death. If success is your God, you will work yourself to death. If impressing people is your God, you will talk yourself to death. If money is your God, you will 401k, hoard yourself to death, and you won't be a giver, you'll be a taker. If image is my God, I'll promote myself to death. Right after Keith Green wrote that beautiful song, Oh Lord, you're beautiful, your face is all I seek. 
July 28, 1982, his airplane went down. Josiah was on one side and Bethany Grace was on the other side and the plane went down. They were all instantly killed, him and the other family. I, I looked that song up and I've been playing it as I travel in the motel. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. One of the lines read this, and if I'm doing well, help me to never make a sound, but give all the glory back to you. What a great way to live. If winning every contest is your God, you'll compete yourself to death. If health is your God, you will exercise yourself to death. Remember I told you about my son, what he bought me for Christmas two years ago? He bought me a membership to the gym. Are you kidding me? I don't, I don't do gym. <laughs> I do. In fact, I, re- I renamed our bathroom at our house, John, and I told Robbie. So now when people say to me, did you go to the, to, to, did you go to the, uh, uh, no, never mind. I, I, I just you know, renamed our bathroom gym. People say, I'm going to the John. I named our bathroom in our house named Jim. When people say, did you go to the gym recently? I say, oh yeah, I go to the gym every day. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I love the gym. <sighs> yeah. Go to the gym, listen to pastor sermons. Jim, I'm at the gym and a guy says to me, how many sit-ups can you do? Are you kidding me? I said, I don't do ups, I do downs. Yeah. Sit down, lay down, chow down, take me to Wegmans, give me a donut, I'll wolf it down. Oh, I don't do ups, I do downs. Ups defy gravity. Gravity is the law. I'm a Christian, I obey the law. I don't do ups. Somebody said, how many abs do you have? How many abs? How many abs do you have? Abs. Some by people at the gym where I go, they, they, where they wear big t-shirts so that you can't see what's underneath of there. Other people wear skinny tight t-shirts that are 16 sizes too small so you can see the little washboard ripples in there, in there because those godforsaken people do sit-ups. I'll just confess, I have a one-pack. I don't have a six-pack. Oh, I do have a six-pack. I have Poland spring water six-pack in my garage at home. I got an eight-pack of small Gatorades when I go out in the woods and go hunting. Oh, but I've got a, I'm proud of my one ab. Anything can be a God to you. If perfectionism is your God, you'll beat yourself to death. If pleasure is your God, you'll spend yourself to death. If food is our God, we will eat ourselves to death. If self is our God, we'll worship ourselves and pamper ourselves. We will feel entitled. We will feel elite. We'll feel exempt from the other pains that other people have in life when the cross proves there's nothing God cannot ask of us. Are you kidding me? If Jesus is first place and his joy is higher than every other joy, then we live free. Why? You know why. Because Jesus has become more beautiful than just useful. I actually have attended Assembly of God churches that believe that God exists to make them happy and give them everything they want. Jesus is their Santa Claus. And God does not exist to do my will. I exist to do God's will. 
That's why you're here today. You know why God gave you breath? You know why you were born in your mother's womb? You know why you're here? I'll tell you why you're here. The Bible says in Isaiah, you're here to bring glory to God with everything that's in your life. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. A gospel-centered heart. Mm-mm-mm. Did you get that point? Write it down. My character and growth are more important to God than my comfort and any feelings of entitlement. The third thing Jesus said was shake off. Will you say the two words shake off? Verse 11. If you're rejected or offended or ignored, shake off. Now Taylor Swift wrote a song. You know where, you know where this is going. Some of you are already lipping Taylor Swift. I see your lip sync right now because the player's going to play, 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 and the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. I see some of you right now. You're like, oh, you're, you're like at Taylor Swift's concert down in New Jersey. Shake it off. My mother used to take the rugs on the back porch where I lived in, in Baltimore. You know what my mother would do to the dirt on the rugs? She'd shake them off. My dad used to take the, the, uh, the floor mats out of his pickup truck. And on our little driveway on Lyons Mill Road outside of Baltimore, Owings Mills, Maryland, he'd shake them off. The barber, when I used to have hair, after a haircut, he used to sh- take the cape and, and shake it off. When I went to Africa and they put my name, Bill Kirk, USA, the ASS superintendent, of the New York district for the whole country of Ghana, West Africa to see. And I thought, well, thank God I'm not in America. But one of our team took a picture of it with their cell phone. It came back and started going around. So now I'm known as the ASS. They forgot to put the T in the period because the abbreviation of assistant is ASST, period. Just in case you didn't know that. (laughs) I had to shake it off. It's been two years and I'm still trying to shake it off. Shake it off, shake it off. Shake it off. If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake off the dust from your feet. Matthew 10, the same account. Jesus said, you will be injured, hurt, wounded, persecuted, dragged into court and offended. Now, why did Jesus quote Taylor Swift? Why did Jesus quote Taylor Swift? Not so we'd be angry when we're injured. Not for us to be afraid of being wounded and hurt and getting close to people. Shake off means we can allow God to give us a spirit of forgiveness so that we can move forward and not live in the past. We won't personalize rejection. We won't live with offense. We'll keep on going. We'll not be detoured or distracted or disgruntled. We'll keep making progress. We'll not carry baggage from place to place to place to place. We'll enlarge. We will enlarge and protect our hearts from a toxic spirit of bitterness and enlarge our future opportunities. We'll be whole, healthy, free from anger, resentment, self-imprisonment. Right after Jesus said, shake off, something happens. John the Baptist was beheaded. The disciples had to process this. The narrative then picks up, and Jesus teaches this under number three. Write it down. Whatever I refuse to forgive and let go of will destroy me inwardly and defile many outwardly. 
What will they do? They will destroy. What will they do? Whatever I refuse to forgive and let go of will what? Destroy me inwardly. Shake off. What's it mean? If you, if you don't think this is a big deal, let me help you make it a big deal. Unforgiveness is the poison we drink while we wait for the other person to die. If there's someone you have not forgiven, they own you. Resentment is allowing someone you despise to live rent-free in the house of your mind. If you're in pursuit of vengeance, be sure to dig two graves. Ships don't sink because of the water on the outside of the ship. They sink by the water that gets on the inside of the ship. And the only power that an offense has in your life is the power that you give us. Give it. And, free, and forgiveness frees us from living as the victims of other people's behavior. Forgiveness protects us from carrying around emotional baggage. That's exhausting. Forgiveness cuts the umbilical cord that keeps you tied to the past so you can live free from the control of what someone else has done to you. You may have the memory because that's the way God created our brain, but, but they no longer control you when you forgive. Please remember this. I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. That forces me to accept responsibility for what's inside of me because no one is responsible for what's inside of you but you. And an enemy in the heart is worse than 10,000 in the field. What am I saying? Jesus was teaching this. It's okay to be injured, but it's not okay to live injured. Shake off. He's asking today, is there anything whatsoever, is there anyone whatsoever that you need to forgive today? You want to have a great new year? We all have to learn to be good forgivers. And the last thing Jesus said, the last two words, he picks up the narrative again after the, the account of John the Baptist. He picks it up in verse 31. And what does Jesus say? The last two-word statement. Come apart. Would you say those two words, come apart? Someone said, if you don't learn to come apart, you will. Come apart. Chill. Take a break. Jesus saw that the human body needs relief. Ministry demands are taxing on energy. All of us must be recharged before we can charge into battle. Here's what Jesus is saying. Everybody here today must have a quiet place. It can be anywhere, but it has to be somewhere. Here's a great prayer today to start the first Sunday of the year. Lord, still my busy heart. Speak to us. Rekindle the fire of the Holy Spirit. That come apart. What's it mean? Here's what it means at Greece Assembly this week. 
They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Terry in Jerusalem. Praying in the spirit renews our inner man. Crying out to God brings great reward. When we take nothing, God gives us faith. When we stay there, God gives us contentment. When we shake off, God gives us wholeness because we forgive. But when we come apart, God gives us power and strength to press on. Write it down under number three, and then I'm finished in just a moment here. Come apart, write it down. Come apart means only the overflow and the fullness of the Holy Spirit will influence, influence those I minister to. Come apart means I'm willing to narrow my interest. Would you say that phrase with me? Narrow my interest. Let's, let's put the Lord, let's ask the Lord. This is a great help me prayer. Lord, help me to narrow my interest. Let's pray that together. Lord, help me to narrow my interest. You want a great awakening? Want to see a great revival? Want to see God work from the east and the west and the north and the south through Greece assembly of God? Lord, narrow our interest. Today is a come apart Sunday. All right, here's my, dis- my last discovery. Here it is. Luke 10 records the same account as chapter 6. Mark 6, Matthew 10, Luke 10. All three, same account. Are you ready? Here's what happens. Here's another recording of the same account. Listen to this. The sent out disciples return to Jesus in Luke 10. They report all their successes. As my grandmother used to say, oh, dear Jesus. They come back and you're not going to believe what they tell the Lord. Lord, WWE Smackdown, baby. We laid hands on the sick. Boom, they were healed. We saw demons. We cast them out in Jesus' name. Oh, we saw devils. We cast the devil. Oh, and they reported all their ministry success. Are you ready for this? This is amazing. And what did Jesus say? He said, whoa, wait a minute. Don't get caught up with all your success. And don't be enamored with how busy you are. And don't be looking for validation by how many likes you get on Facebook. In other words, it's not about your resume, what you do. It's not about your references, who you know. It's not about your resources, what you own. In other words, your deepest joy isn't found in what you do. Jesus said himself, but rather this, rather rejoice in this. Thank God for that. But look, look, come come here, come here, come here. Rather rejoice in that. You want to have a great 2019? Here, thank God for all, but come here, come here, come here. Here, Rather rejoice in this, that your name is written in the book of life not because of what you have done for me but because of what I have done 
for you. How many of you thank God our deepest source of joy is not that you passed out 3,000 tracks this year, 2,000 next year, 4,000 next year. My deepest joy is not that I preach 100 times a year, 120 times a year. My deepest joy in life is this, not what I do for God, but celebrate what God has done for me. Here's what Jesus is saying. Come apart and celebrate the gospel. Come apart and rest in what I have done. Come apart and remember my work that changes you. Come apart and be delivered from a hurried spirit. Come apart and let me reorient your center of your being. Come apart and receive my grace instead of trying to achieve my grace. Come apart and let me change what needs to be changed in you. Why is this text so powerful? Because it's one of the greatest gospel-centered messages in all the Bible. Jesus alone is the answer for misplaced affections. Take nothing. Trust him. Stay there. Jesus alone is the one who'll make your heart content. Shake off. Jesus alone is the one that can forgive you and give you grace to forgive your offenders. And come apart, Jesus alone, and his work on your behalf is your greatest sense of joy in all the earth. I see people who have so many lesser gods when I stop at the throughway and a guy comes in, goes up to the young gal about 16 years old. I remember when Bethany, it happened when she was 16. He cusses her out because he drove through McDonald's, asked for a cheeseburger with ketchup and it didn't have ketchup on it. Lesser gods. God of comfort and convenience. You, it just happened to me yesterday. I get off the thruway and I come to the easy pass. There's seven lanes, but baby, they bottleneck quickly and you got two choices, left or right. And there's seven of us racing for two spots. And I look to the right to see if anybody I know. And I look to the left. And I'm going to fit. And then somebody's always fit. And then I got to sway. Wait a minute. It's okay not to get there first. Chill. Everybody thinks that God is sovereign until they get stuck in the Eastview Mall on Saturday. Come apart. Today's the come apart Sunday. It's come apart Sunday. Give God permission to change what needs to be changed in you. That's the beginning of a good year. Would you bow your heads in a word of prayer? Every head is bowed. Every eye closed for just a moment. Today is a come apart Sunday. Find new strength today by celebrating in what Jesus has done for you. Not in what you have or have not done for him. Jesus. Jesus, the gospel. Jesus. If you're here and there's something you know that God wants to change in you, and today you're willing to give God permission, we want to pray with you before you leave. You know there's something God wants to change, and you're willing to give God permission to change before you leave. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up to the Lord, not to me, but to the Lord, and say, Jesus, today I give you permission 
to change in me what needs to be changed. And you just, just slip it up. No one's going to ask you to move. Just God bless you, sir, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, sir. And you, ma'am. Thank you. And you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. In the back, I see it. And you, sister, to the right. Guess God bless you, sir. God bless you for your transparency. God bless you, sir. I see that in the back. Guess God. Lord, today, let the gospel change our human hearts and help us to find our contentment our comfort in you, Lord. Every grieving heart that's in this room today, God, I pray you'll draw close to the broken heart. Draw close because grief is a process. Be near, oh God. Be near, oh God. Your nearness is our good. Lord, I thank you for every man and woman in this room. I thank you for the hand of God upon every heart that's here today. God, I pray that you'll take the the word, your word that was sown in our hearts. Let it bring forth good fruit. Change us into your likeness. Give us the grace to respond in obedience to everything you teach us. Help us to leave this place healthy, strong, not in our own might, but God today to trust in you to rest in you, to shake off, to be a good forgiver, to rest content, to cast our cares on the Lord, and to come apart and celebrate your kindness and your goodness. In Jesus' name.